So God is amazing. God is amazing. But I've come to realize he is ama as amazing as we allow him to be. And somebody may you know, have a problem with that. Like, wait, what, what are you trying to say? Like, we limit God's ability? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's not scriptural. It's absolutely scriptural. This place where Jesus went into his hometown, they said, wait a minute. Aren't you Mary and Joseph's son? And don't your brothers and sisters live with them? And the scripture said, and he could do no mighty works in that town because of their unbelief. It didn't say he wouldn't. He said he couldn't. He could do no mighty works there, save, pray for a few sick people. You know, basically stuff that church folk do. Just pray for people and, and hope it works out. But he couldn't do anything mighty there because of their unbelief. Well, hmm, let's see if there's another scripture that bears that out. According to your faith, be it unto you, he said. The woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made you whole. Not my prayer, your faith. He said to her, your faith has made you whole. I come to realization that how, in, how deep God gets involved in our life. And I want you to listen to what I'm saying. It depends on our willingness and ability to allow him in. God is never going to force his way on you. He's never going to push his will on you. He's never going to demand you to do anything that you choose not to do. You can choose to go straight to hell and God will make sure all things line up that you get exactly your choice because that's the kind of God he is. I'm just telling you that. God gave us a free will and he gave us a free will so we can willfully and willingly choose. But what I've learned about God's goodness and still learning is I've been watching God lately just intervene in my life in these areas that would seem minute and small and like, why would God care about that? Now, I'm used to it. I expect it. What I want to do is introduce to you today the opportunity to expect it. So my place in Florida, short story, no plants on my, you know, in my house. I had a couple of fake plants that look real. And so I could feel like I have some, you know, plant life in my house. And I'm going to tell you right now, fake plants is, is, is not like having a real thing. It's just not. It's just not the same. And um, I literally... In the, in the WhatsApp chat, the people in the building get on there when they're moving out and leaving. They want to sell their furniture. And I've gotten on there and got musical instruments for, for like a little bit of nothing. And I mean, just some really good deals. And I saw some furniture on there. And I'm like, I don't really have any room in my house for any more furniture. But I saw a couple of pieces that I like. I said, maybe I might be able to get them. Somebody could use them. Who knows? And um, went over there, sort of stuff. Long story short, her whole balcony was loaded with plants. I mean, big like little trees and everything and I was like wow what are you doing with all this she said I'm selling them and she started laying out some prices they were fair prices and um I said okay I had to go but I said I'll come back when are you leaving she said Wednesday night God told me don't go back to Wednesday night because you'll get everything at a better deal because she got to get out of there and she got to get rid of this stuff Long story short, I forgot all about it. Wednesday at 10 o'clock in the evening, God said, 
go knock on the door. I'm like, I'm not going to go knock. I'm not, I'm not trying to be racist, but I'm like, I ain't taking my black behind and knock on this white woman's door at 10 o'clock at night. I'm just not going to do it. Right. <laughs> and God said, no, go ahead, go do it. So I knocked on the door and she opened the door. And she was flustered. She was frustrated. She looked like she wasn't even packed. You know, just everything was a mess. And I said, well, what's going on? Your stuff is not packed. She said, my three friends are supposed to show up. They stood me up. They ghosted me. I don't know what I'm going to do. I got the U-Haul downstairs. And I said, I'm going to go downstairs and get the hand truck from the concierge. We're going to get your stuff out of here. No, I can't ask you to do it. We're going to get your stuff. Don't worry about it. I went there, got the hand truck, start telling her, pack the boxes up, load them up, let's get them downstairs. Um, I don't know how to take the better part. I got tools. You got tools? I'm a contractor. I have tools. Took the better part. Go help to get this stuff downstairs. Everything but these dudes, these giant couches she had. I'm like, you got to get some, I'm not going to say it, but you got to get some other people to call some people to come help you do this. I'm not, I'm not doing that, right? So <laughs> you can laugh. You know where I'm going. So I said, okay, um, help to get our stuff packed. Got everything in the truck we can get in. She kept saying, you're an angel. You're an angel. Now, she's not a believer, and I kept saying to her, God told me to knock on your door. God told me to knock on your door. By the time the night was over, she was saying, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Because I helped her from 10 o'clock in the evening to 2 o'clock in the morning. So, okay, let's talk about the plants. She said, take them. Take them. Just whatever you want. Any furniture you see around here, anything you want, you just take it. I said, everything thing but that flat screen she said take it take it take the tv take the, the she had a dyson vacuum cleaner and those are expensive you want the vac take it take it and take it no just anything you see go to the cabinets the refrigerator any the food anything just take it I, i'm just so grateful just take everything and i took those plants and i brought them home and i set them up and i put them up there and now I used to grow plants back in the days. I'm telling you all this story for a reason. This, this, I'm, not, I'm not just sharing a praise report. I bring these plants there and I like, they're like filling up my whole area now, just like plants everywhere. Well, I'm looking at the plants and most of them are unhealthy and most of them look like they're like either dying or, or struggling to live. And because I'm looking at them, I'm seeing they, they're in the original parts. The roots are growing out of the top. The roots are coming up out of the soil. They, too, they become too big for the parts. Um, it's just not being taken care of. So she's been watering them, but not taking them. I don't think she's ever fed them because I didn't see any plant food sitting around. Now I'm going to tell you something powerful about that because I went to the store that day. Now I, I want you to listen to this. I went to Home Depot that day to get some plant food for my one little basil plant that I had. And I wanted to get the little box that's about the size of a little cube, like the little school lunch milks. They have that. Usually I would get that. They didn't have it. I'm in Home Depot. The thing they have is like about size, about a two liter bottle for like a, 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 a half gallon milk, whatever size. I don't need all that plant food. Holy Spirit said, get it. Are you listening to me? Get it. I don't need all this plant food, God. It's too much. Get it. This, I'll be, this, I'll be dead, and there'll still be plant food. Like this is, I, this is too much. 
But all right, I'm going to get it. Bring the plant food home. And then in the evening, this thing happens where I wind up with a whole garden on my, and all the plant food is there. See, I need you to understand Jesus, right? I went and got bags of soil. I got pots. I replanted the plants that needed it. I, you know, I, you know, I clipped them and trimmed them and pruned them and did the stuff that you're supposed to do with a plant. And within less than seven days, they had, some of them had literally like produced so much. They grew so much so fast. It, it, it's anointing on it for sure. It, it's clearly an anointing, but, and I can show you before and after pictures that you can say, no, that did not happen in, in less than a week. Yes, it did. They grew, they responded. They they blossomed, new leaves were popping out of the trees and whole new stems. And it's crazy how fast, how much these things grew. And I said, wow, God, it's real. It's real. Your promises, the way you care, what you want for us, how you want to look out for us, it's real. And we limit you with our inability to believe that you care about me and my plants and that you wanted me to buy plant food before I got my plants. You know, I told you the story about the, the mango tree and then he went in the backyard, not backyard, in, in the park, in the neighborhood park and saw these mango trees all over the place and said, I need something to get it and walked back into the lobby of my building and the girl goes into the office and comes out with a, a fruit put pulling pole and says, somebody delivered it last week, the day you left and said, here, this is for somebody named Sarah. Nobody lives in this building named Sarah. Well, I bought it, I delivered it, and I'm not taking it back. And he turned and he walked out the door and they wanted to throw in the pole in the corner. And I show up saying, well, I need to get a pole for, to pick this fruit. And she goes in the back and comes out and says, here. These little things, stay with me. I'm going to read some verses. The scripture says, the hairs on your head, the very hairs on your head are numbered. You, you don't number the hairs on your head. You start realizing if you're going bored, you try to keep track of it. But you don't walk around counting the numbers of hairs on nobody's head. He said, all your tears, he says, he saves them in vials. I'm trying to present to you this is real. It's real. God cares about the most minute concerns, things that you would think, oh, I ain't going to bother God and pray to God about that. That's silly. And God's like, could you please bring me your silly? Can you bring me everything that's on your heart? Casting the whole of your cares on him because he cares for you. But that's the Do you care about it? Yes. Then cast it on him. Does it mean something to you? Yes. Then he wants to know about it. He cares about it. He cared about me and plants. Plants. I wound up with a whole balcony full of plants. And I'm going to tell you this. I went out, I go out there now on the, on, on the balcony more than I ever have. And I sit there because I feel the life of the plants. I feel the presence of them. I, I never thought about that before. I definitely didn't go sit around my fake plants. But I would go out there and sit and watch now. So I'm going to I'm gonna throw a couple of scriptures at you, but I need you to understand something. God wants intimacy with us. And in, what we're calling intimacy is not what he's calling intimacy. What he's calling intimacy is every single facet of your life. 
your likes, your dislikes, your fears, your, your happy times, your sad times. It's, there was, there's a scripture where the psalmist says, if I make my bed in hell, you are there with me. It's like every aspect of your life, it's real. He wants to be a part of it, every part of it. But we limit God based on religious concepts and precepts to thinking that God only wants to help us when we're in trouble. Or God just wants to step in when we have a problem. He's like, I will tell you, don't go here, go here, eat this, don't eat that. C come on now. Don't watch that on TV. Turn that off. I've had shows that God had me watch regularly. And he said, you need to start watching that now. God, you're not pleased with it. You, you feel in your spirit too much with that. Take a break. Walk away from all these drama, crime, mystery solving, murder movie, like enough. Turn it off, true crimes and all this. You know, I could get caught up in that stuff. Stop watching it. Put something in your spirit now that's going to, going to feed you and encourage you and speak life to you and talk to you about all the good that can happen and not keep surrounding yourself with all of this this, this murder and death and, and who did it and the husband did it. Was it the boy? Enough, right? Just turn it off for a season. Fast it. Walk away from it. Are you listening to me? So I'm going to read this. James chapter 5, verse 16. And I'm going to read verses. Usually I'll get a whole chapter and go through. But today I'm going to be pulling verses out, you know, as himself. James chapter 5, verse 16. The earnest, reading from the Amplified, heartfelt, continual prayer of the righteous man makes tremendous, powerful, available, dynamic in his working. This, the King James says the prayer of righteous avail of much. But he says the earnest heartfelt, and I need you to understand this, heartfelt, I prayed for this and it didn't happen. Was it earnest? You can pray for stuff that you don't really want or would like to have if it works. But he's looking for stuff that's coming from your heart and concern. Well, maybe I don't know. Maybe I didn't have enough faith. Maybe you are, your prayer wasn't earnest. Maybe it wasn't real. I, I heard Kenneth Hagin, I think it was a long time ago, said when he's talking about steps to believe in God for things and pray, he said, earnestly desire the thing you're praying or hoping for. Earnestly desire it. Sometimes we pray for stuff just because. You know how we'll take stuff from the from the store if it's free and they're giving it out, even though we know we're ever going to use it or eat it, but because they're giving it out for free, we'll just take it and hoard it and then let it sit in the cabinet and find up eventually throwing it away. Earnestly desire. So he says, I'm looking for people who are praying earnest and heartfelt. Come to me with what you truly desire. And I'll show you it's real, that I got it. But it has to be real. It has to be genuine. So take that earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of the righteous man makes tremendous power available. Say, tremendous power available. Now, why did I make you repeat that? Because he says when you pray, he didn't say it manifests the prayer. Didn't say that. He said it makes tremendous power available. So when you pray, you open the door to power, tremendous power, 
that you now tap into wisdom on how to manifest in the natural. All the promises of God are yea and amen. He don't have to move. But once I pray in the realm of the spirit and it's released, then I need the tools to stand. Let me give you, let me give you a revelation. Who was it? I'm trying to remember the prophet say, and he said, I, I sent the answer the moment you prayed, but the prince of Persia withstood me. Said some demons got in the way and tried to get me from getting it to you. But the moment you prayed, I released it. So then once it's released, then there's a realm when it steps from the realm of the heavenlies into the realm of the earthly that I now have to seek God with this tremendous power on how to pull it or bring it to me. Everything you need is in the earth. Nothing's falling down out of heaven. You pray for money to pay your bills. The sky don't open up and a, and a box of cash drop down your living room. That would be nice, but it doesn't work that way. It says, given, it should be given unto you. Press down, shaken together, and running over shall men give it to your bosom. Not shall God. So God said the resources are all here. Everything you need, everything that pertains to life and godliness is here. It's real. Well, when it happens, you know, I just believe God. When it happens, so, from, so then to you it's not real until it manifests. He's saying it's real the moment you pray it. And power is released. Who's receiving what I'm saying here? Power is released now for me. That's what did I have you guys saying for the past couple of years? I claim wisdom, insight, understanding, knowledge of God with peace and prosperity in abundance. Speaking it. I'm claiming that I have the wisdom. I'm claiming I have the knowledge. I'm claiming I'm have the insight. I'm claiming you, you understand? Because without that, Without, what, what do people perish for? So it's not, it's not lack of God responding. How do you know when and where to go pick the fruit? Is it time? When you plant it, at what season is it time for you to harvest? I planted it yesterday and I sought God for it and it didn't happen. When did you plant it? Last night. Wait, wait. What? What? How long you been planting the garbage? Hmm? How long have you been speaking negative and, and speaking fear and speaking doubt and speaking worry? How long have you been planting those seeds? But now you want to plant the seed today and God got to manifest for you tomorrow. Hmm. We have to understand that seed time and harvest is a process. And seed time and harvest takes some time standing. And you've seen... Um, People in the Bible, that's just Abraham having to stand for years and years and years and years until God got every bit of doubt and worry and fear out of him so that he can manifest to him what he was doing. So your prayers are effectual. They're powerful, but they have to be heartfelt and ready. Have to be continued. The persistent widow. The man who kept going next door asking his neighbor for bread. It has to be consistent. Why does it have to be consistent? Because, because the Lord is testing you. No, the God don't have to test you. He already knows what you're going to do. It builds your faith up to the place that he can meet you. The answer is, let me say this one more time. I'm going to make sure you catch this. When you pray, what does the scripture say? Believe that you received, not you will receive, Believe that you received past tense and you shall have present tense. When you pray, believe that you have received and you shall have. So when you pray, it's real. 
Catching that? It's done then. I know this is a hard concept, but when you pray, it's done. When you pray according to his will and his word, not whatever stuff according to your flesh, because there's another, I'm going to keep the scriptures coming. He said, you ask not, you ask and you ask not, you receive not. You ask and you receive not because you ask amiss. You don't have any understanding of what you're asking for that you may consume it upon your own lust. So he said, there is a way that you do asking is not real because you're asking without the understanding of what you're asking for. Why are you asking? You're asking the blur. You're asking wishy-washy and confused. You're going back and forth. Is it, is it is? Is it not? I don't know. It could be. Maybe we'll see. You know, if it's the Lord's will, all this stuff is part of church people's way of not taking accountability for their own laziness. So when you ask, it's real. Say, so if I ask according to his will, it is done. It is real. I then seek the Lord for the ability to harvest from that field. If I came to your house tomorrow and I put in your backyard and I planted a bunch of tomato seeds, and you don't know anything about taking care of it, how to water it, like this woman was doing with the plants, how to feed it, eventually it would die. Most of those leaves that were rotted had disease on them, they were turning yellow. And within a not even a week, you saw the transformation because I had insight on how to bring life out of those plants. We do understand that the whole walk with God is seed time and harvest, yes? It's real. Then you can't say, God, give me trees, and then he gives you trees, and you don't even know what kind of tree you're looking at. Well, what's supposed to come off of that tree? I don't know. There's all trees to me. You're not going to take the time to find out if that's an apple tree or a lemon tree or what kind of tree it is? I plant tomatoes in your yard. If you go digging up the root to see if it's growing, you're going to kill it. And you're not going to ever see the tomatoes. I planted it. I gave it to you. It's real. But now you have to learn the process of seed time and harvest to receive it. You got to know when to plant. Watch me close. And you got to know when to reap. You don't plant a tree today and get apples tomorrow. But then there are plants that produce quicker. And those plants you can plant regularly. Like I said, like tomatoes and cucumbers, and, and they grow much faster than a tree will. But then once they're grown, you got to rip that all out, and you got to plant again. Huh. Church folk are on this automatic faith thing. I just speak it, and then all the responsibility is God's from that point. So he made it clear. He, I didn't even get off the first verse. My goodness. Earnest, heartfelt, and continual. Not just the prayer of the righteous makes power, but earnest, heartfelt, and continual. Can we say it? Earnest, heartfelt, continued. So I'm going to submit to you right here. If there's anything you've been believing God for, waiting for, praying for, I want to ask you to go back and check yourself. Are your prayers earnest? Are your prayers from the heart? Are they heartfelt? And are they continued? I don't care what it looks like and how the wind seems to blow. I'm standing on what I believe God said to me. Hmm. 
I didn't get one amen on that, but it's all good. That was a good amen place. Okay. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the stock market says. I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to say I am continuing to stand, persisting. Amen. Okay. Why is that important? Watch this. First Peter 3, 12. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, those who are upright and in right standing with God, and his ears are ooh, attentive to their prayers. Hmm. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, those who are upright and right standing with God, and his ears are attentive, open to their press. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me. Uh, 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 uh. So this just broke down whose prayers God's listening to. Not only is he listening to, he's attentive. See, I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Some Somebody may not like it. I don't care. God's ears are attentive to my prayers. God's sitting there waiting. Come on, come on. What you what, what you want? What you want, baby? What you what, come, uh, uh, what you gonna say? Come on. No, no, come on, come on, come on. Tell me, tell me. I, I'm listening. I'm I'm waiting. Cause I'm ready to bless you. I know what you're gonna ask before you ask. So he don't need me to pray. Scripture says he knows the thoughts I have before I think them. He knew before I was in my mother's womb. So God knows what I want, what I desire. But I'm waiting for you to say it. Earnestly and effectually, I'm waiting for you to speak it. Come on. What you want, baby? Uh, my ears are attentive to your prayer. I'm waiting for it. He's waiting for it. Wait a minute. Why? Because I'm the righteous. This is where I just lost people. I didn't say I was the perfect. I said I'm righteous. His ears are open to, to, to the, attentively open and listening for the righteous. I'm the righteous. How many of you here accepted Christ as Lord and Savior? Doesn't the scripture say you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Yeah. So you need to shout, I'm the righteous. Yeah. I am the righteous. So his tears are his ears are attentive to my prayer. He's waiting. Give me, he's saying, give me something to work with. Give me something. Your faith has made you whole. Give me something to work with. This is real. This is not what we're trying to believe. I'm just trying. I want you to pass. I want to believe that. You know, it's real. It's realer than the air you breathe right now. It's real. It's real. I am the righteousness of God. So his ears are open and attention. But well, then how come they work for me? Because you don't believe that. Because you don't believe that. Because that's not your stand. Your stand is if I just work hard enough, if I just be good enough, if I just behave, if I pray enough, fast, boy, you need to fast. Brother, you know, that's the thing. For like that, you just got to fast and pray. Well, yeah, you can do all of that. That's works. But you can do all of that. But do it because he told you to. Not because, huh, not because you're trying to earn brownie points because that's not what moves the hand of God. There's a couple of things that the church believes that God is moved by. So let me just clear up the, 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 the misnomers right now. He's not moved by your tears. 
Not the snot running down your nose, not how many tissues you blew, not your fears and worries, not your doubts, not your concerns. Well, you know, I'm really concerned about such and such. I'm really fearful. I mean, God's like, I'm not moved by that. I love you, but I'm not moved by that. I'm moved by your faith and your belief. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Not without tears, not without snot, without faith, right? God's like, I hear your tears. I'll sit with you. I'll comfort you if you even let me. He won't even comfort you if you don't let him. But the angels hearken unto his what? Word to perform. His word. His word. Not my words. Well, I'm just going to pray, God. I just, God, help me. I thank you. I, I think you can. I know. I had this conversation with somebody the other day. I said, and they kept telling me, I know God is able. I know God is able. I said, that's not faith. Knowing God is able is not faith. Knowing, knowing God is able is not faith. I can write a $10,000 check to each one of you in this room. I'm able. But it ain't happening. <laughs> it ain't happening. Because I'm not willing. I'm able. But let God speak to me specifically, I'm not willing. So knowing God is able to do it is not faith. Knowing God is willing to do it for me is faith. Yes. Knowing that it's done the moment I pray, speak to the mountain, say, be thou removed. Does it jump up out the ground and float away? It may, it may float off in pieces over the period of 10 years. But it still comes down to God is willing. Watch this. Ready? Not just to bless me. But God is willing to keep his word on my behalf. Hmm. He's willing to keep his word on my behalf. He said, when you pray, believe you have received and you shall have. He is willing to keep that word. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and abradeth not, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. These principles are saying, God, like, you're not asking me for anything, especially that I dropped in your spirit that I have not already put in motion. What you need is the insight to understand how I need you to manifest it in the earth. You didn't hear what I just said. How I need you to manifest it in the earth. I've used this example before. I'll use it again. I don't care how much faith you told me you had and how many prophecies you heard from God and how a hundred people stood over you and confirmed it, that you're going to be a jet pilot. I'm not getting in a plane with you until you take some classes and you learn. I see you bring it up and bring it down safely a couple of times because you're not going to just supernaturally get in a plane and just fly it. There's principles that you have to learn to fly a plane. So if God said, I called you to fly, then he expects you to go do what you need to do to learn what you need to do to manifest that on the earth because that's a principle involved. It's real when he said it, but it manifests when you follow his leadings, his order, his structure, his word. It manifests. Hmm. Hmm. 
Now, if he tell you to go supernatural, you go jump in a plane to fly it, and you believe that, then I'm going to stand in agreement with you on the ground. <laughs> okay, ready? Got time for another? Yeah, I got time for another verse. Let's take this one. Ready? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Somebody say it's real. All the promises of God are yea and amen, which means yes and so be it. I, I, I didn't mean to preach on that, but let me just do it real quick. All the promises of God are what? Which means what? Okay, let, let, let's see. Let me see. Let's take it out of yay and amen because that may be going over your head and you sound spiritual and you're not catching it. Every promise of God is yes and no, no, yes and okay. What does that mean to you in, in the real world? If you, if you say anything my kids ask me, I'm saying so be it, yes. And so be it. See, we're not used to a parent that says, all my promises are yes, and so be it. So we thinking, expecting God to say no, it ain't going to happen. But he said his promises are, that means already done. And when God says so be it, what does that mean? That's manifestation. That's manifestation, right? Yes, it's done. Right? Yes. It's done. Watch this. All the promises of God are yes, it's done. God, I'm glad Brother Mel is taking it. All the promises of God are yes, it's done. Yes, it's done. Yes, it's done. Father, can I have that? Yes. It's done. So when I say to you, when you pray, it's done. Now, what do what steps, Lord, do I need to take to line up with your move? See, the Red Sea was there. They had to get to that Red Sea. But God didn't gain the ability to part it when they arrived. He always had it. They had to line up with the instruction. Go there and stick your cane in the water. He had to follow the instruction. It was time one time he told him, um, Elijah smack it with his cape and the water parted. So he, he, he had a history of parting water. Like God is not, it's not strange to him. The ability is yes, it's there. But now where do I need to be? Because it didn't make sense for him to part the Red Sea while they were still in Egypt. They had to show up where the blessing was supposed to manifest. Let me see if you took that one in. See, I have to show up where God plans to manifest. You got it? God, I just need it. I just need a better job. Why are you still sitting on yours? You gonna go walk? You gonna go look, knock on the wall, the doors? You gonna well, but I've been turned down so many times. I've nobody asked you all that. Are you going to get out and go walk the land? Are you going to go up? Because 
I didn't plan to say all of this, but the Holy Spirit knows he's talking about. One of the things that always touches me, and those you've been around me have heard me say it before. He says, whatever you put your hands to shall prosper. Deuteronomy 28. And we run around saying that. And then I ask people, so what you put your hands to? What do you mean? What are you putting your hands to? You saying whatever you put your hands to will prosper. What did you put your hands to? Yeah. What deal did you negotiate? What, what situation did you try to go learn? What did you put yourself in? You saying whatever I put my hands to should prosper. When I joined, when God told me he wanted me to go back into real estate, I had to go look around and he led me to a course and the sign up for the course was $12,500. And I was like, yeah, not so much that. And God confirmed through the word and now he prayed before God and came back with the word, you should join this class. And in the couple of months I've been there, I'm now negotiating deals with a with a knowledge and an understanding of what I'm asking for that I would not have had before. Amen. I was just one as God told me this building is mine. Okay, and I believe I receive it. Okay, and the Lord gonna make a way, yo. Okay, and because that's what the owner looking at me going, oh, okay, well, when, when the Lord make that way, you come on back here now, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But until you come back with a way, I don't have any conversation for you. He may even believe or believe, be a believer and say, oh, I believe the Lord going to make a way for you. Hallelujah. Come back when it's made. Because this building costs $6.5 million. And God ain't told me to give it to you. And even if I did, you would lose it or mess it up within less than a year because you don't know what you're doing and what the process is to doing something like this. So, it's done when he says it. But then there's the other part God showed me. What do you put in your hands to? I said, whatever you put your hands to, she'll prosper. What are you putting your hands to? Oh. Uh, so then I started, I got a, a hint of that. I started running around putting my hands on things. Ready? And I saw things that I put my hands to prosper without me. Hmm. Hmm. You never been a part of something or created something or, you know, God using something and all of a sudden it went on and became successful or went on and did something and you had and, and you was left out of the deal. Never happened to you. Well, you ain't done deals. Like, OK, you have. But right. If you haven't done if you've been to doing the nine to five all the time, you may not understand. No, you may understand it there because there's people that got promotions on the job that, you know, should have been your job. You put your hand to it. You probably helped that person to train them. And they promoted them over you. So I said, well, God, well, how come that happened? And you know, I, I was part of that deal. It was my idea. I came up with the whole thing. He said, you put your hand to it and it prospered. And it prospered for you, but it prospered. I said, okay, so what am I missing? Deuteronomy 28, where you lay the soul. That's right. Where you put your feet, I will give to you. Every place the sole of your feet shall lay, I will give to you. So you can touch things and you can put your input on things and it prosper. But unless you put your feet in it, it's not yours. Jericho's give me a look like, break that down some more. You lay hands on a ship on the outside and the ship start backing away and sailing off into the sea. You left on the docks. 
if you're on the boat, if your feet are in there, and then you put your hand on it, when it go, you go with it. A lot of people would like to claim and speak and speak holy this and pray that and this and that, but then they don't want to do what it takes to get themselves in it or involved in it because it's risky. So you're not in it. You're watching it. You're a spectator, praying and a hoping and a hoping and a wishing, but you didn't put no investment of your spirit into it because that's what it takes to see the manifestation of God. It takes you to be able to risk it all and put out and step out and get yourself involved. So when the when the real estate thing came down and I was good with the free real estate class and and, and joining in, and when they said $12,000, I was like, And you know, and they get on your nerves, they say, normally this would be $80,000, but today it was like, no, it wouldn't normally be those are numbers you're making up, right? It just wouldn't be normally none of that. The number you charge and you, you making that up, and it, it wouldn't normally be none, none, of, none of that. But for the mentoring and for the council to learn how to do deals in the millions, is it worth that to me? Yes, it is. But I had to make that decision. Then I had to pray. And then I had to say, God, I want to make sure it's you. And then once I made sure it was him, then I had to take the chance and not look back. Once the check was written, the money was gone, it's gone. Now you better make it happen. You better work it. I'm, I'm getting my money back. I'm going to work this. The process involved is you have to put your foot in the thing you believe God called you to. You can't just keep standing on the side, praying and, and wishing and hoping and on your knees, but you then don't then take any, okay, thank you, Lord. I mean, yeah, thank you, Lord. God told Noah to build an ark. It's going to rain, it's going to flood. Noah had to build an ark. I don't know if you understand the size of this boat this guy had to build. But I've heard somebody say it was the size of three football fields. He didn't have John Deere tractors and, and Milwaukee power tools and a crew of hundreds of men who worked for him, legal or illegal aliens, helping him build his boat. He had to do that. I don't know if he if it's recorded that he had any carpentry skills. He had to invest, you hear the word I'm using? Himself into something that took his time, took his energy, took his focus, took his love. I'm sure people walked past him and laughed for years and years. What's the point of this? I heard in, 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 in um, a study that I did a long time ago that it had not rained until then. So for him to say to them, it's going to rain, people didn't understand what he was talking about and they looked at him like he was stupid. What do you mean it didn't rain? How did the ground, how did the plants and stuff get watered? It's in the book of Genesis. Every day it came up from out the ground and mist and the dew and watered the ground. Water falling from the sky was not something that was normal.
So he's now going around telling people something's going to happen that sounds totally stupid and he's invested himself in it because he believes. God ain't tell you to build no ark and go tell the world nothing. He just tell you to believe for the things he say he's going to do with you. How difficult is that? I'm going to do this with you. How difficult is that? Very, if you don't know it's real. If you think it's a wish or hope or fairy tale, but you don't see it as real, you won't step into it. Let me bring this home. I only got a few minutes left. This is my last verse. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and full of power. I can just stop right there. It's not a page in the book. It's not a quotation that if you say it over and over and over, like the Wizard of Oz, there's no place like home, that it works. It says, the word of God is what? Wow. It's alive. Say it's real. Yeah. And it's full of power. And it's active, operative, energizing, uh, and effective. Are you catching all these words? All these adjectives? The word of God or the word that God speaks is alive. It's full of power, making it active, operative, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating and dividing the line of the breath of life, the soul, and the immortal spirit. And the joints and marrow and it is of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and shifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. So let's bring this on. The word of God is sharper, we went through all the adjectives, than any two-edged sword, dividing the line between soul and spirit. You ready? You ready? Are you ready? Between the realm of the spirit and the realm of the soul, according to the scripture, there's a very thin line. A lot of people get emotional and excited and they think it's the Holy Spirit because they can't discern between the soul and the spirit. Come on. You can't discern between the emotions and what the Holy Spirit is. I believe the Lord is saying such and such. Okay. Did he confirm it? No, but I just believe it. You know, you're just excited about something. The word of God separates. It divides between them and it separates them and it makes it clear which is which. Are you listening to me? The word of God is the great divider. It clarifies. It clarifies. It separates. Once it separates, then you have to choose which side you're on. And most of the time, the side of the soul has so much play and so much power in your life. Crossing over to that other side is a big step. You won't take it. You won't put your foot in it. It, it, it challenges you beyond your comfort zone, your intellect, your reasoning, and your thoughts. And I'm saying to you, children of God, it's real. 
All the promises of God are yea and amen. It's real. But we have to begin to see the things of God more real than we see the things of the natural life. And that's where the struggle is. And that's where the that's where the issues hit and life and death is in the power of the tongue and all these wonderful scriptures we know. But God's blessings are real the moment you pray them. But then it's up to you and me to get before God, to get the training we need to manifest them in the natural. That's our responsibility. The promises of God are real. It's real. God don't have to fix anything. It's all done. The moment you pray, I sent the answer. But the prince of Persia, the prince of your own self, you, the prince of your own flesh, withstood me. But you sit before God until he purifies your reasoning, your thinking, your true believing, your true stand, and he makes it clear to you, you, the plan he has for you. You can listen to me and you can pay attention to me, but all you're supposed to get from me is hope and encouragement to do what he's called you to do. And once you do and you step out in that, then you're going to find out that it's real. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes.